Coach, you got the rematch you wanted. The mirrors were slid in. David, I am absolutely in disbelief about the end of this match. Because Sweet Heat knows they can't beat us without their frumpy four. Whoa. And you know what? They're not frumpy. We were doing what it takes to win. We were only doing that because they were about to do it first. Great point by the coach. Coach is right, Vicky Lynn slid the mirrors in for the benefit of Lindsay and Lori, and it simply backfired. Well, you feel win at all costs, as the coach has said, is the way to go, Randy Rara? Yeah, she knows that, because I'm her coach. <laughs> and of course, Randy Rara still unable to get a word in with coach. This is not a setback for us. We are gonna keep going after those belts, and we are gonna win no matter what. No matter what, you heard it from Coach Campanelli and Randy Rara. They're going after those tag team championships again. Boy, I thought you had it tonight. You know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. And for the WWE Championship. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling Podcast with your host, Mr. Green. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the show. And here we are rolling into episode 28 of uh, WOW Women of Wrestling Review. Um, you know, they've had their ups and they've had their downs since they've returned. Uh, and we've tried to make note of all the... The little things that have been going on, the, the the introduction of new faces, the introduction of good wrestlers, the introduction of uh, better production, but we also have had to call out some of the opposite of that, the lack of continuity, the uh, nonsensical storylines because of the lack of continuity, uh, bad edits that took place before the new production team, or, or the, at least the new production standards were kicked in. So, I mean, you know, like I said, it's been an up. And it's been down, but uh, they are still moving along, and they're, and they're probably still going through growing pains, I would imagine. I mean, I, I know WoW is listed as having existed for 20-plus years, but I mean, let's, let's call a spade a spade here. It has not existed for 20-plus years nonstop. Every time WoW has come back, it's been you know underneath a... A new crop of people, a new roster. You know, David McLean has always been there, and, and I assume Jeannie Buss to some degree, since he, you know, pretty much harassed her into to, to, uh, uh, taking this this job. Well, maybe harassed. You know, that's not fair. Let me let me take that back. I, I shouldn't say harassed. Convinced her that this is a good this is a good way to spend your money, and she decided to spend her money. So hey, when he comes. What can you say? Now, you know what I'm really curious about before I get into the review? 
Because one thing I haven't been able to find consistently, I can I found it every once in a while, but one thing I haven't found consistently are the ratings for WoW. And I, I really would like to know what the target number they were shooting for. Like if you know when when they were going through production and they said, all right, we're gonna put this back on TV. We're gonna, you know, start up a whole new thing. With and, and we're gonna produce weekly. We're not gonna, we're not gonna take any time off this time, or at least the show is gonna just keep running. Uh, I am really, really curious as to what number was set in front of them as a group. To like, okay, if you hit this many people weekly, then we are doing good. That way, we can justify the cost. You know, I, 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 not as I'm saying it out loud, I am really, really, really curious about that because I, the last time I saw it, uh, and I want to say this was in December. And uh, for those that are listening, let, let's put some some time context on that. December 2022, um, leading into their expanded run. Now, by December, they would have been on the air about three months since their return. So. There were some uh, some ratings that came out and released, and they were comparative at the time to uh, what Impact Wrestling has uh, as a as a ratings number. Um, now they still do not have what Impact has in terms of legacy or uh, uh, their touring schedule. I mean, not like Impact has house shows and all that stuff, but they do go to different locations and, and tape there. And uh, they still operate pay-per-views and, and do other things to try to support the, the world that is Impact. As far as I know, outside of just you know more distribution, I don't know if WoW does all that much. Now, they have uh, released internationally. I, I know that there's a more WoW that is being pumped out into the universe or more specifically this planet and other continents um uh, you know they they keep looking to expand and bravo to them for for doing that but yeah it's, it's just a note of curiosity that um i wonder what is the magic number like hey we have got to hit at least 200,000 people weekly. If we could do that, if we can pull in that that number, then we can justify what we're doing. I and that's just a number out of the sky. I, I'm not saying that they are aiming for 200,000 people, but uh, you know, you never know. And maybe one of these days I'll be able to get somebody who could spill the beans or tell say something about it or like, "Hey, yeah, that's they were trying to do this or they were trying to do that." Anyway, uh, we need to just go on into the review. That was just a little sidebar there because, uh, you know, it, it just hit my mind as we were talking here. So anyway, this is WoW, episode 28. And of course, we got our four matches of the evening. Because WoW always has four matches of the evening. That's just the way that it's formatted. It, 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 they don't really deviate from that all that much. They've only done it once, and I don't expect them to do it again unless they had some other different location that just happened to be shot. So anyhow, 
We kick this show off as they always do with the old welcome to wild deal and the first segment that leads you to tell you what's going to be happening in the show. Uh, There's something that I have to say about the um, the lead ups that they do, the, the video packages and stuff like that. I need to say it now before I forget because, you know, it's something that seems to, it, it's not a terrible thing. Uh, so I don't want to make it sound like that. It's just something that I noticed. They they go a long way around to explain something seemingly simple. And what I mean by that is like they, they'll bring up something, uh, let's just say, uh who would be a good example? All right. Let's say they're doing a, a package on the Heavy Metal Sisters and Jesse Jones and Americana that we're getting ready for this match. Now, that is a match that took place here. And that, uh, in fact, I, my notes kind of dwindled it down. I mean, because they may have done this. I don't remember. But they had this habit of bringing up stuff that is almost irrelevant to whatever we're trying to head to because it existed on the path thereof like and jesse jones had was turned on by emma rodriguez during this match and so and so and blah 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 and now we're facing the heavy metal sisters like the turn of amber rodriguez has nothing to do with the heavy metal sisters it's just it's something that happened and is and is i guess relatable <laughs> but but it's it's reaching around the back of your head to scratch your elbow is is too it's too much explanation for some i'm not gonna say that is just bad all the way around this is just again uh a point of note that i see that they do they they do a lot of explanation for what i feel is uh, things that you know aren't relevant to what they're trying to get to if i'm trying to explain a match between jesse jones and the heavy Jesse Jones, Americana versus the Heavy Metal Sisters. And I need to address the thing that got them to the match. Her, Jesse Jones, being turned on by Rodriguez or the former Commander Spars has nothing to do with that. But, you know, that's the thing I'm going to ask anybody that's listening out there to do now. If you're watching WOW, the next, or the next episode, just take a look at the uh, video packages that they do and see how broad they are. They're, they're very, they're they're shot very good. They're they're cut very well. So it's not an indictment on the people that produce it and or edit it. But what it is an indictment on is who decides how much stuff goes in it. Okay, so now uh, the first match that we have on the show was. I guess we're going to call them the fashionistas or something. Uh, Gigi Gianni and Amber Rodriguez, the former Commander Spars, taking on Steffi Slays and Jennifer Flo- Jennifer Gen Z Flores. Sorry. Uh, in what was a solid match, but it ended in a botch. I mean, I, I, I can't really say it any nicer than that. It, 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 the match in and of itself was, was solid. It just ended badly. Um, let's address the Slays, Gen Z, and by proxy, Keita Rush connection here. 
I don't know what they're doing with Slays or Flores or Keita Rush in that they seemingly rotate between each other. Uh, it wasn't two episodes ago that Jennifer Gen Z Flores was teaming up with Keita Rush. And I thought, and if I'm not mistaken, I think she teamed up with her uh, prior to that. It's like she has become the de facto bully buster tag team partner to Keita Rush. And if that's the case, then just go ahead and keep them as that and you know make them a team, rename it or whatever you want to call it. But now we move into this, and now we got Steffi Slays, who's the other half of the Bully Busters, and now she's teaming with Jennifer Flores. I'm like, okay, what, are we going somewhere with this? Because while brought up the Bully Busters once several, 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 several weeks ago, and it didn't go anywhere. It, just, it was just a means to an end. It was just a point of we need an excuse to get Keita Rush out of the locker room so these gloves can be stolen. So let's have Steffi Slays come in here and say, oh, I miss you and I miss the Bully Busters and teaming with you and all that stuff. And that didn't go anywhere. It didn't do anything. They, they It's like, okay, well, if you miss it, then why don't you just tag back up? It's not like there's a wall in front of you or some sort of invisible force field or you're contractually obligated not to team with each other. That clearly isn't the case. So what, what was the problem? I I assume that they both still get along. I don't know that. I don't know what they you know what they may have going on behind the scenes. But you would think that okay, if they really wanted to tag or if they was bringing it up like that, then just reform the Bully Busters. So you know, I I shouldn't even say reform because in the Wilds universe they never broke up. Uh, but it, it's just a kind of a weird thing. The suggestion that I have being just uh, do something with this team. You know, Slays and Gen Z look like they could be a tag team anyway. They're, they're fairly color-coordinated. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that wasn't on purpose, but uh, they both had the purple. Well, Jennifer has the purple trim and the silver, and, and uh, Slays is all purple with white boots. Close enough. Close enough. So anyway. Uh, the, the team of Gianni and Rodriguez really hasn't done all that much. I mean, they're, they're pretty much just fodder to get beat. I mean, from the, the moment that they showed up with this angle that came out of the blue, <laughs> uh, they, they have lost and they have lost and they have lost and they have lost. So I don't know where we're going with this team. I just, I don't get it. And, you know, Man, now that I say that, I, I just have to point this out before I leave. Before I leave this uh, reviewing this match, not leave altogether. But um, that was one of, ah, damn, I, I can't even say it nice. That was one of the worst angles that I had seen. I mean, I have never watched wrestling. I've watched wrestling for over 30 years. <laughs> I've never watched a match or an angle that took place at the climax. And what I mean, like, the the whole angle started and stopped in that one match. It was no build to it. There was no rhyme or reason behind it. They just had a match, and it was a blow-off match immediately, and then it was done. I was like, I do not believe that. This That, that was the worst angle. I have ever seen. 
I mean, just for just in case of Bill, we're not talking about context because they never even got to the point that they could have context. They literally explained to the viewing audience, and I realize I'm going backwards here. I'm not even talking about episode 20, but I'll get to it. They literally explained to the audience that episode, hey, and Amber Rodriguez turned on them, and they showed some still shots of them, uh, them being Gianni and Rodriguez, or at least they showed the end result. They didn't show the action of uh, Rodriguez and Gianni smearing lipstick on the faces of Jesse Jones and, and Americana, and then they went right into the match, and they beat them, and then they smeared lipstick on their faces back, and then they were done. It's like, this, this is so weird. It started right at the blow-off match. There was n- nothing leading into this. We You didn't see the, the, the turn. You didn't get the chance to feel any anger about it. You didn't get the chance to see any matches leading in. You didn't get the chance to see Gianni and Rodriguez form or or the reasons why they wanted to get together. You didn't get the chance to see them win a couple of times to entice you to wanting to see them lose. You didn't see any of that. It's just like, all right, we're finished. <laughs> we just started five minutes ago, but we're finished. Ah, uh, yeah. Whew. Uh, yeah, that was one for the record books there. So, you know, maybe WoW will do better and not do silly things like that. Start off the match at the end. <laughs> just, just imagine going to the theater and you walk in and they're shooting the main villain within 15 minutes of you being in the movies. <laughs> it's, it's like, what the, the hell was that? I paid money to see this, and it's over with already. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> all right. So back to episode twenty-eight. You got this tag team match, and again, it was it was pretty solid. I mean, it, particularly when I reference uh, Slays, and I don't say that to be picking on her or something like that. But I know of the the four that's in there. She's probably the least experienced in terms of number of matches. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think Flores actually has a uh, uh, some independent wrestling pedigree. And now I could be wrong. I was, <laughs> I, b- I believe, if, if I'm remembering correctly, she she has that. Uh, matter of fact, why don't we check into that right now? Because the last thing that you want to do is start passing off bad information. Okay, yeah. So back to, <laughs> if you're listening to this now, then, you know, it, it would have felt like uh, nothing has passed. But I took a moment to to actually go and look that up. And yeah, I mean, I, I I knew I had seen it before, but I wanted to make sure that I verified it. Uh, yeah, of the of the four, Slays probably has the least amount of in ring work. Not the not the amount of time that she was a wrestler, but um, the amount of time that she actually has work inside of the ring. Uh, Slays, as far as I know. If someone knows differently, please, you know, feel free to correct me. Put it in the comments below. But uh, she wrestles with WoW and only with WoW. Whereas Gen Z 
who is known as Jasmine Allure on the independence does wrestle elsewhere and has probably got more matches underneath her just within this course of this year than Steffi Slays does. All due respect to Steffi Slays. But most independent wrestlers, you know, they wrestle every weekend. And if that's the case, she would have caught up to Steffi Slays and, you know, the entirety of her wrestling career in about six to eight months. If she wrestled every weekend like most of the wrestlers that I have met and seen do, eight months easy. She'd had more matches and more experience than Steffi Slays, despite the fact that Steffi Slays has been labeled a professional wrestler for some years now. But since she only does it with WOW and she only does it on television, there lies the difference. That right there makes the difference. So all of that to say, considering the uh, experience level, uh, I would say that the, the person that is the most experienced in this would be Rodriguez. Rodriguez is probably the one that should have captained this thing. But, you know, that's not to say that she didn't. So all of that solid match, just a a bad ending. So what happened here, for those that did not see it, and you can always go online, you know, uh, and uh, uh, check it out on their, not their website, their YouTube channel, uh, in fact, you can see the entire shows on their YouTube channel, uh, with with the exception of the backstage vignettes and whatnot. You'd you'd have to uh, do some work, <laughs> like you would see all the matches, and then you'd have to individually watch the uh the backstage stuff. But you can see it if you so choose to take that path. So at the end of the match, um, Flores gets tagged in, and she does the House of Fire bit. And puts down uh, Rodriguez, who is the legal person on the opposite team. Springboards off, catches her with like a kind of a stunner type move. Gianna comes in and breaks that up. Slays came in to stop it, and it was reversed, and she got tossed into the ropes. Now, what I assume what was supposed to happen, because it looked like it kind of went somewhat badly, I assume that she probably was supposed to hit the floor and then scoop back in because what happened after that is she comes in, saves Flores from a double suplex. They then, they been uh, Flores and Slays, hit double super kicks and put the heel team down. Flores goes over to her partner because Slays runs back out to make sure that the tag would be legal. Uh, Slaves comes back in, and what she's attempting to do is normally known as a sunset flip powerbomb. If you don't know what that is, uh, just Google that, and you'll see John Cena do it, okay? It is when you sit on the uh, your opponent's back, almost like Canadian Destroyer style, and then you flip yourself like a normal sunset flip, but you, you just come down with more impact. You know, you're not... Uh, running and jumping to do it. You just kind of seat yourself over and push off. So she does this, but the problem is is that, unfortunately, Rodriguez, I, I guess the signals got crossed, and she goes down backwards, which sends slaves down face first. 
uh, it was a clear and obvious mistake that took place there. Like I said, some the, the signals probably got crossed. I'm assuming Rodriguez felt her and and thought she was ready to go when Slays hadn't really kind of set it up yet. So we ended that in a, in a botched match was fine. The end was bad. Uh, had that been me in charge of that show, <laughs> I would have said, you need to do this again. You need to either do this again or give me or give me a different ending. Give me a different finish. Give me, you know, you think on your feet and give me another finish because this is terrible. You've just ruined your match with this two seconds of a botch. Uh, because that's what people remember. And I've said it several times over the course of this podcast. If WoW does what Jeannie Buss and I guess David McClain are looking slash wanting to do, and they start traveling, and they start getting in front of different wrestling fans, and they go to different areas, that stuff is not going to fly forever. They are still in a honeymoon period with WoW. Fans haven't gotten, they haven't gotten sick of them. Uh, they haven't started giving them a hard time. In fact, I would say most of the fan base that WoW has are just flat-out WoW fans, and they're the ones that are going to watch this no matter what, and they're the ones that's going to excuse whatever's happening with WoW no matter what. But once they start reaching beyond that or attempting to reach beyond that, that's when you're going to get people that say, this is terrible. This does not look good. Why did why did they do this? Who is this person? Ah, this isn't like W. You know, that's what average people do. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying it's right. But the average person does compare. I mean, the casual wrestling fan compares it to WWE because that's mostly all they know. Wrestling fans might not compare it to WWE, but they're going to compare it to other wrestling matches that would be considered the same ilk. So if WoW is looking to seat itself as the top women's promotion in the country, if not the world, they probably need to put an edict out like that. Look, if you mess up your finish, you need to do something else. You need to call an audible and do something else. Do not let us go off the air with this match looking badly. Fix it. And they didn't, so it's on there. You know, it, it, and it it looks so bad. And the sad thing is they can't do anything to fix that. The editors can't do it. No, but the way that is done, the way that it came down, you can't fix it. Like, I understood it with... Um, the beast when when her ankle went out. I didn't like it, and I really wish they'd have done something else because that power bomb looked terrible. But it was understandable. She was hurt. She couldn't she couldn't make it work at that point. Her ankle gave out on her, and the editors, to their credit, after you know they started reshowing it a couple of times, did what they could to take that botch out. They did a little flash cut, so you didn't see it. All you saw was the impact. And then they just kind of moved on. Here, there's nothing to do. You can't fix this. It is just, it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, if I were there, if I was in charge, if that was my company or my show, 
I, I either would have gone to the back and waited for them to come to the curtain and say, I need you to redo this match. Or I would have said, y'all need to call an audible. Call an audible. Do not pin him off of this. That that There's no reason for you to lose off of that. In fact, if anything, Steffi Slade should have been the one that got pinned because she went down face first into, into the mat. If, if anybody should have been hurt, it should have been her. And for all I know, she might have been hurt. Uh, Jesse Jones and Americana have a vignette in the next segment talking about their friendship and uh, so on and so forth. You, you know, it's funny to me, Now I'm not saying that Jesse doesn't do this, but it's funny to me that of all the times I've seen on Independence, I not once have not seen her doing this sort of farmer girl gimmick or talk about being on the, on the field with the chickens and this, that, and the other. Now, she's clearly comfortable with it. But I, I've just not seen that. And, of course, they move on from talking about the friendship of Jesse Jones and Americana. And then they go to the Heavy Metal Sisters and they start uh, talking about dissension within their ranks. Now, here's why I had the issue with, with that segment or, or that vignette. Not the story uh, in and of itself. The story of the Heavy Metal Sisters having dissension is not a bad thing. Uh, it could be interesting. I don't know. You know, I have to watch it play out. The problem I have with it is it's another case of something that was done out of the blue. The commentators on WoW talk about things that we as the viewers have no concept of and have not seen. So they go beyond what other wrestling commentators have to do. Most other wrestling commentators, you call what is shown and you explain said footage to whoever's watching. With WOW, on a number of occasions, they have to explain things that were never shot or at least never shown. And this is one of those cases like, oh, man, we've seen dissension in the ranks of the Heavy Metal Sisters win. When do we ever see dissension in the ranks of the heavy metal sisters? At what point did we see this? There's no footage that shows us. We don't see them arguing in the ring. We don't see them complaining about anything amongst each other. We never saw a serving contest. We never even saw so much of them complaining about or, or disagreeing on lunch. So the the idea that they're like, eh, and, and they've been having these problems, David McClain, you know, or, or, or whatever the case is, like, I, where is this coming from? It is another one of those cases of just a, a, a angle out of nowhere. I just talked about it at the beginning of this episode, and we got another one. It's an angle from nowhere. The only difference is, is that they didn't just drop it in the middle of the blow-off match. So I assume that they're going to go somewhere with this, but it's, it's just a why. Why why do that when you can start the dissension now and build it to the point that they do have to blow up and they do have to blow up? I, you shouldn't have your commentators talking about things that the viewing audience hasn't seen. It makes people question what has gone on like what happened what are you talking about i haven't missed an episode where did this take place so i mean it this should not be something that's going on i wish they would change that mandate and just pull it out i i, I know i know it's hard 
<laughs> for anybody that's in WoW that may be listening, I, hey, look, I know it's hard because you're taping and you're doing these marathon tapings, but hey, every so often you're going to have to think ahead and or do something to uh, get you out of these things when you have the opportunity. I do not know why it hasn't been mandated that WoW say, hey, look, I need y'all all, every last one of you, everybody on this roster, to be capable of shooting a promo at their home if necessary and sending it to us. We will open up a Google Drive account or a Dropbox or whatever the case may be so you can get this over to us easily. But we need you to be able to do that because the way that we tape, sometimes we got to fill in the blanks. And we may, and a promo may do that. That would have been the first thing. That, that would have been the easy thing for me to just get you a tripod. As a matter of fact, I, I said it before, that WOW should buy everybody tripods and a little clamp for their phone. Send it to them. That way you ain't got no excuse. Put that thing on there. You all got cell phones. You all got the capability of recording yourself. Just do that and record it right. So anyway, we have this match, Jesse Jones and Americana. And before the match starts, we have an attack on Jesse Jones and her knee by the Heavy Metal Sisters. So the Heavy Metal Sisters here are, are... Still playing the role of the uh, uh, of the heel tag team. Of course, in this instance, they get to the ring first. That's the only way. Well, I can't say the only way, but that is the way that this attack worked. And uh, when Jones and Americana come to ringside, uh, out of nowhere, Razor attacks Jesse Jones. She she grabs her right, coming right through the the aisleway, and Razor and uh, uh, God damn, I just <laughs> just lost a <the> fury. <laughs> Razor and Fury, Razor holds it down. Fury grabs a, a chair and smacks Jesse's kneecap. I mean now. It, it it wasn't the kneecap easily, and, and this was not their fault. I'm going to just go ahead and say that right now. This part is not any of the Heavy Metal Sisters' fault. It is the fault of either the cameraman. Well, it's the cameraman because there was no other camera on it. Uh, bad angle. Bad angle for that chair shot that they took on Jesse Jones because the, the first one was fine. The second chair shot, however, shows clearly missed that knee. <laughs> because what you're doing is you, you know you're taking the chair and the long length of the chair the top half of it hits the ground not the knee of course but when you had the camera right there in plain view of it and it and it shows that her knee was not touched it it does tend to take something away from it but you know what can you do that just that happens it happens in wrestling all the time and i mean <clears throat> i know nobody likes it i'm sure they didn't like it but what can you do and I don't know if you can fault necessarily WoW or this management, is creative, is talent. You can't fault anybody for that. I mean, it, it's, it's no different than when they stuck the camera right on uh, uh, Hulk Hogan's head when he was being tombstoned by The Undertaker the first time. Like, his head didn't come close to the mat. <laughs> but, you know, what did they do? And, and, and backup footage, I think they removed it. 
And it was the same thing with the Royal Rumble. There, there's a if you've ever seen the live broadcast of the Royal Rumble, what was it, nineteen ninety one? Tito Santana took a punch, and I'll never forget this. He took a punch to the Undertaker's head. This is when the Undertaker's like his first year in, and he stopped his punch by at least a good six inches away from his face. And it was caught right there on camera because it was close up. But the Undertaker still sold it somewhat. I mean, he didn't register pain, but he registered the punch. Fast forward, uh, and this is the first time I realized what editing powers the WWE has. I lent my uh, VHS tape that I recorded from the pay-per-view to my friend who promptly forgot to take his VC the tape out of the VCR and recorded his mom's goddamn Oprah show on it. So I lost the Royal Rumble itself because he didn't do it. And he sent his sister down to break that bad news for me. I, I'll never forget that. So anyway, uh, what I had him do is like, all right, well, you rent me the the uh, Royal Rumble tape when it comes out. This is back in the day when Blockbuster was still a thing. And uh, I got it, and I dubbed the tape, and I watched it over again. And lo and behold, that same shot that I saw was now removed. They went right to a wide shot because, you know, the punch looked terrible. So all of that to say, I mean, I just use that as an example, but all of that to say that, you know, those things happen, so you can't really fault them for that. So anyway, the whole point behind that setup and, and the angle of, of Jesse Jones having her uh, knee attacked was essentially to create a handicap match. And, and I forgot to say that Mesmer was holding Americana back while uh jesse was being assaulted you know that that does make sense so this match jesse is asked do you want to continue and she says yeah you don't want to walk out of here you know we're not gonna go down like that you know the, the whole baby face deal uh but jesse is not put into the match americana is put into the match and she is taking on the bulk of the work because, you know, she feels like her friend is not capable of going. She's hurt. And so she's going to get in there and do it for her. And, of course, yeah, you, you got the two-on-one deal, and she's taking a, <laughs> she's taking a, a beating in there. And, of course, they, they go to the, the, the side cameras, and they show her son out there ringside. I, I really hope... They do not continue to show her son week in and week out. Not again, Nothing against the kid, but her personality needs to be more than just I'm a mom. We know that she's a mom. We've already established that she's a mom. Like we get it. But she needs to have something more than just that. I'm a mom and I'm doing this for my son. Get, get, Got to give me something else. The only other thing that, that I would say about this match before I go into, you know, what I felt like should have happened. Uh, I asked somebody while we was at work and we was watching this, like, hey, look at the screen and who, tell me who do you think is named Americana in this match? He looks at the screen and he immediately points to Jesse Jones. Why does he point to Jesse Jones? Because she's wearing red, white, and blue. 
She's got red uh, red bandanas on her knees, white knee pads, a red, white, and blue shirt with the flag on it, and blue jeans. So she is the ideal look for an Americana. And when I tell him, I was like, hey, no, the other person in there with the green and the teal and the, and the this and the that on her, he's like, well, why? Well, so what's American about her? So I was like, I don't, she didn't come out with the flag. She didn't really talk about it. Uh, and she doesn't have anything on her body that relates to being American, uh, you know, American or proud American, whatever. Uh, it, it just didn't, it didn't register with them. And I, and I think that is the case for a lot of people. You know, I think she'd have done better if she'd have just came in as Samantha Sage and just left it at that. Americana, Americana 2.0 does not work. So in any case, we have the match. <laughs> we have the match. Uh, Jesse Jones is wanting to get in. They have a moment over there in the corner, and, and Americana's like, no, you can't come in. And uh, Fury charges, Americana moves. The Mesmero runs around and grabs Ameri- not Americana, Jesse Jones's leg, who is on the apron. Now, she hasn't been tagged in. She's holding her ankle so that she can't get in. And the referee is looking at this and yelling at Mesmero, saying, yo, look, let her go. Don't, uh, uh, don't hold her back and all that stuff, right? Uh, Americana gets the better of Fury at some point and goes for a finish. Of course, that's broken up by her tag team partner, Razor. That was when Americana was trying to, you know, address the tactics of the heavy metal sisters as Mesmer is holding her back. And, of course, the referee's an idiot, and he's <laughs> getting distracted clearly by this as the heavy metal sisters are doing their double team, and he has no concept of this whatsoever. The double team that the heavy metal sisters did looks great. And, it, and I will give Americana that she sold it like a champ. Sold it like a champ. I mean, if you watch it, it's like a, a, a side rushing leg sweep complete shot combination. And she went down and she drove her head right into that goddamn mat. So so that's probably the best thing that I've seen Americana do is take <laughs> take that bump. And so you got the heavy metal system. And, you know, the funny thing was is that <laughs> as soon as that match is over with, there's this camera shot of of her son holding this sign, Americana is my mama, as she's just gotten beaten with this terrible, sad look on his face. <laughs> Why do they have this kid here? Why? He shouldn't be the angle. He, sh- he shouldn't be the angle. Why? Like I said before, we know that she's a mom. Don't You don't have to build around her being the mom and, like he he's just there, he's holding the sign, and his mother just got demolished in front of his eyes, <laughs> and he looks so sad. I mean, I mean, well, I shouldn't even say sad. Look expressionless, but there was like sadness underneath the eyes, I guess. So <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at that. Uh, but this was a glorified handicap match. Uh, and after this was done, the heavy metal sisters get into a fight amongst each other during the promo. 
what happens during the promo, they, they start carrying on about like, hey, you know, the heavy metal sisters are together and, you know, we're we're still doing the thing. And, you know, this isn't verbatim, of course, so you have to go listen to it. But the general gist of it is, is that they feel like they, they are still championship caliber and they could go out to the tag team championships. Matter of fact, we can go out to the, the world's championship. And then that's when it starts. Like, well, I think I would make a good world champion. No, I think I would make a good world champion. This is Razor and Fury arguing amongst each other while Mesmer is standing there in the middle, looking confused and like, what's going on here, guys, Why are y'all arguing? Which, you know, that's what she should be doing. She That was a, a, a facial expression that was completely justified. So now you got uh, Razor and, and Fury carrying on about who should be the world's champion? Uh, this, I don't know if this is a strong reason for them to start arguing amongst each other, but it is a reason. So we, you know, we can let that slide and move past it. But then they start, I mean, not really insulting each other, but trying to say why they are the one that should be the champion opposed to the other one. Like, Razor's like, well, I'm the brains of this place. And, you know, it takes brains to be the champion and blah, blah, blah. And Fury's saying, well, I'm the, you know, I'm the brawn and, you know, the brawn gets things done, you know, and I would get it done as the champion. And, you know, now here's an, another, another spot that comes off as kind of, you know, obvious to me at least. Uh, they have the microphone. Fury has the microphone specifically at this point, and she's holding it forward in front of Mesmer. And then you can see her mouth or something. Can't hear her, but you can see her mouth or something. Because the camera's right on her when it's happening. And then it, it, then all of a sudden there's a struggle over the microphone, like grab it. you know. And they start pulling with each other. So, so clearly this was like, hey, grab the microphone, grab the microphone, you know. And she starts, she being raised, they start grabbing and, and struggling over the mic, and Mesmer has to break it up. So this is what the beginning of the real beginning of the dissension of the Heavy Metal Sisters happens to be. So we are going to watch and see if this goes anywhere. The irony of this being is that it, was, it wasn't several weeks ago that you – Saw the Heavy Metal Sisters when they went against the Bully Busters probably for the one and only time that has been. I should say several months back at this point. When they were in a promo saying, all right, now I understand that the Bully Busters are having problems. Again, it was another thing that was talked about on camera that never took place in front of anybody for them to see. Continuity, guys. Continuity. So <sighs> that took place. Now, the match in and of itself wasn't bad. What I would have suggested, you know, uh, if it was mentioned to me, is, is I would say either borrow from this match that took place at SummerSlam 1990 or just rip it off because it's been several years ago now and I don't think anybody's going to notice it. Uh, and I don't mean rip it off move for move, but, you know, just the concept. The best angle that I saw with that type of uh, function in it was Power and Glory versus the Rockers. Concept, 
Power and Glory attacked Shawn Michaels coming to the ring. His knee is blown out. Same setup. Not done the same way, but same setup. His knee is gone. They just attacked it, and they've hurt it, and he's down. But we got this match going on, and Shawn is trying to pull himself up. Meanwhile, you got Marty, who's in the ring, and he is doing everything possible to try to keep the Rockers in this match because he knows that his partner is down and is hurt and he can't do anything about it. So now it is a, much like here, it is a glorified handicap match, but the handicap match in the realm of the Rockers did serve two purposes. One, it helped Marty look like he was not a quitter. And he fought, and he fought, and he fought. But ultimately, he just, you know, he couldn't take it. The numbers were too much. And he and he lost. They, they put him down with the Powerplex splash combo. Uh, and it worked. The only thing that they probably did not count on is the fans cheering for power and glory because they were tired of the Rockers. Uh, I would have advocated for something similar to that where – they are constantly attacking Jesse Jones. And that was the other thing. The Power and Glory team kept going over there and kept working the knee. I mean, the referee was trying to stop him, but they would just go over there and hit it or kick him in the leg or pull him down off the apron and stuff like that to ensure that the match stayed two-on-one. And, you know, again, it, it, it helped make Power and Glory look cool, even though they didn't go far with it. It helped them make it look cool. And then it also uh, helped make Marty look like he was he was a fighter. That's what I think that it should the note should have been like. Let's try to build Americana here. Let's try to make her look like she will fight to the bitter end to to save her friend or, or win the match or whatever the case may be. I think that would have been, but it's hard to do that when your matches are only like five and six minutes, maybe eight. And that's including the entrances. Uh, they probably did not have the time and the ability to allot that. But they should have. It would have been, been nice. It would have been cool. It would have told a better story rather than laying everything at the feet of Americana and her son, which is how it feels like that. So anyway. Uh, next segment, Holiday versus Foxy Fierce. Um, I will say right now that this match surprised me. Now, why did it surprise me? Because Holiday almost always loses. <laughs> Her win-loss record on WoW is, is pretty slim. And even here, she didn't win on her own accord. She won through the interference of Candy Crush. So here we go. This is a standard match with Holiday mostly in control. And there's really no complaint about what took place in the match. I mean, of the ones that we've seen, is is, is probably as, as solid a match as, any, as anything else. Uh, but at the end... When uh, Fierce is attempting to put Holiday away, she catches her with a drop kick, 
puts her down, puts Holiday down. Holiday is able to get to the get the ropes. Now, of course, this is towards the end of the match, so I so understand her reaching for the ropes is after a, what was supposed to be a not a, a grueling match, but you know, a lengthy match. <clears throat> Holiday gets up, pulls herself up by the ropes. And she catches Foxy Fierce. When Fierce tries to run her into the ropes, she reverses it and catches her with a beautiful spine buster and shows that strength. Now, then here comes Candy Crush, uninvited and unprovoked. She comes out. Now, I guess you could make the argument that, well, hey, you know, they've been screwing around with her so long that she had to come out here and do something. So she comes out and she distracts Holiday and, and, and takes shots at her. Like, Two wild swings from Holiday, and uh, Crush takes a shot back. Holiday ducks it, shoves her off the apron, gives her some lip, but then she turns around into a rear end by Foxy Fierce, and she wins the match. So Foxy Fierce wins uh, through the interference of her friend Candy Crush. Uh, immediately gets out of the ring. Like, like when she wins, she it's almost like she realizes that I'm supposed to be scared of her and goes running out of the ring. Again, the match was fine. My question that I wrote here is, why isn't this feud over? And that's what I want. I was like, why did Candy Crush come out here? Isn't this done? What else do we have to do with this Candy Crush, Dark Side, Monsters, whatever you want to call them, feud? How long is this going to go? They already had an anticlimactic in the previous week when Candy Crush defeated Siren the Voodoo Doll. And then she gives this promo about, well, you know what? I don't even want my gloves back. I don't even need them now because I understand the powers in me and yada, yada, yada. That felt like an end to me. It felt like a bad ending, but it felt like an end to me. Why is this still carrying on? She has publicly declared that she does not need the gloves. She's already beaten all of them, one after the other. She beat Siren. She beat Chainsaw. She beat Holiday. Not necessarily in that order, but she's beaten them all. So why is she still in this? Shouldn't you want to move on and get away from this? This should be over with. This should be over and done, but they just refuse to let this go. Uh, I, I don't I don't know where this is going. I mean, I, I this has been carrying on so long. It's been months worth of candy crush in this view. I am ready for this to be over. It is not interesting. The whatever interest that this had was blown away last week. Just just finish this and be done with it. Give her the damn gloves and let her move on to something meaningful. It's a few that can actually do something for her. This is just spinning her wheels. We've already done this, and now it's just doing it just for the sake of doing it. Uh... The next segment was a recap of the tag team championship feud between Miami Sweet Heat versus Campanelli and Ra-Ra, and they cover everything in their recap. Then we go to another segment, which is backstage vignette, Ra-Ra and Campanelli. Um, This is a little silly, and it's done for comedy. 
<clears throat> but the key statement here was Campanelli said, we do whatever it takes to win. Whereas Rara seems a bit unsure about it. This is another thing that's like, I don't know where they're going with this. Um, Campanella's been like a borderline heel from the moment that we saw her to present. So I don't know what it is that they're looking to do with this team because it doesn't really seem to advance anything between the two of them, but it doesn't go backwards either. It's, it's like I just said with the uh, Candy Crush dark side thing. Is we're, we're just spinning our wheels. We're just in a holding pattern. Like I don't know. We don't know where we're going, and we don't need to take any more altitude, and we don't need to land. We're just going to circle around here until they call us in. We're in a holding pattern. So this was the main event. This is match three of uh, Miami's Sweet Heat. Versus Randy Rara and Coach Campanelli. Of course, Sweet Heat comes out with Lana Starr and Vicky Lynn McCoy. Uh, I don't. This should have been what I would label as the blow off match. And some stipulation probably should have been applied to try to make it seem like, okay, look, this, this is the one that we're going to do. And we're going to ban Vicky Lynn McCoy and Lana Starr from ringside or whatever. Um, you know, something. Just to give it a different feel and, you know, uh, and make it feel like this is this is it. We got to, this now or never, we'll do or die, we got to win. But as it is, it just feels like another chapter in the, in the uh, saga of the Heat versus Campanelli and, and Ra-Ra. It, Miami Sweet Heat has continued to improve as a team. Uh, particularly if you ever saw the Go Hard Twins, what they work on the, on the Indies uh, before they got there, <laughs> before they got polished, because that they had, I'm sure they would even admit it now. They had some bad matches out there on the Independence, <laughs> where if they looked at it now, they're probably like, "Ooh, I can't believe that we did that." But they continue to get better, and I'm glad that they continue to get better, and that they that they're a, a team that the division can somewhat be built around because they're not, it's not like they're going to break up. I mean, they may do it a couple of years from now, who knows, but uh, just having the two of them together and the way that they work with continuity and all that stuff like that, they, they come off like a, a pretty good team. And in fairness to Campanelli and Ra Ra, they have done well also, but Getting towards the finish of the match. Here is where we, you know, where they ended things up. At the end, where all four competitors are in the ring, there's a point in the match where uh, Campanelli was kind of, I guess, on fire. We'll call it that. But she's cut off by one of the twins. And I can't remember which one's what. I, I probably should, but I... Even though that one's blonde and the one's uh, brunette, I mean, I, and I know that's just hair dye, but uh, I, I can never remember. So anyhow, <clears throat> Campanelli is put into a double suplex with uh, the, I was going to say the Go Hard Twins, with the Miami Sweet Heat. And a beautiful save by Rara. I have to give it, it, it was a beautiful save because it was different. Everybody always does the same save. Uh, you saw the save earlier in the show 
with uh, Steffi Slays coming up behind uh, Flores as they were about to suplex her. She just kind of walks up and catches her and brings her down. That is the normal way to do it. What happened here is that Miami Sweet Heat gets uh, Campanelli up in the double suplex position while Rara was already near the corner that they were working in. Rara gets on the second rope. And when the Heat bring Campanelli up for the suplex, Rara comes down and pushes Campanelli forward, which causes her to give them both a DDT. I thought that was pretty, you know, creative. I haven't seen it before. I'm not saying it doesn't exist out there, but I haven't seen that that counter before. What I dislike about it was the finish of the match. It wasn't a botch, so it doesn't fall into the category of the uh, of match one where it was like, okay, they just messed up. No, there was there was no mess up here. It just it just doesn't make a lot of sense logically. So after the double DDT spot with the save of Campanelli and Rara. Uh, Vicky Lynn McCord, a lot of star decides that she needs to get up there and distract the referee like, you know, any good heel manager should do. And she did. Vicky Lynn McCord takes the mirrors and slides them into the ring. Now, these little toy pink mirrors that they have, she slides those into the ring to give to the twins so that they can use against their opponents. I have never liked the use of that mirror. Never. It is it's just not a good prop. It sounds good given the gimmick. Like, hey, they're so arrogant they can come out and look at themselves and all that stuff like that. But it, it, it it's just not a good gimmick because this would not knock you out. And I think the world knows that it wouldn't knock you out. It, it maybe is a good visual because you see the glass shattering and everything, but it just is just not a good weapon of choice. So how do they, the opponents get the mirrors? Well, here it is. Vicky Lynn McCoy, as the referee is being distracted by Lana Star, gets the mirrors and she goes over and she slides those mirrors into the ring. Apparently, she's not a good judge of distance because she slid them directly through the legs of the Miami Sweet Heat and right into the hands of their opponents, which is just silly. Oh, it's like, seriously, you couldn't do better than that. You, you could have just reached in and laid them at their feet and they could have gotten it. Like, why would you slide it in and slide it in with power enough to go through their legs? So that's what happens. They, she slides it in. It goes through the legs. Rara and Campanelli pick up both of the mirrors, and they smack them over the head with it and, and allegedly knock them out. Never mind that the referee does not see the glass in the ring or the bits of mirror or the, or the large portions of mirror that's just laying about. Some other referee had to come in from the back and tell him, hey, don't you see this? It the, the ending again. It, it's not terrible, but it's, it's not the best execution for that. Like, how do you do this? 
I understand that every so, you know, we we have that angle every so often where, you know, you get the other ref that comes out like, hey, no, 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 I'm going to overturn this because you didn't pay attention to this thing. But uh, this match only serves to make the referee look like a moron. It's bad enough at the beginning of the show. It's the same one that was there who was like, huh, what's going on? What are you you talking about? Like, distracted over the simplest of things. So now he's in there, and and I shouldn't say he wasn't the first match. What match was he in? He was... uh, he was in the second one, I think. Yeah, he was He was in the, the other tag team match. So he got this ref <clears throat> where he is, I guess he has the attention span of a flea because he gets distracted over any little thing that they do. And apparently his eyesight is only straight ahead because he has no peripheral vision. And he also probably has hearing aids because he can't hear nothing either. So, so all of that to say, like it did... The match between the competitors was fine, but it's, in my view, it somewhat buried the referee when he should have some level of authority amongst this group. He shouldn't just be looked at as an incompetent. If they're going to cheat, it would come off better if the referee actually seemed like he knew what he was doing because if they cheated then, then they've accomplished something. Cheating behind the back of this guy is no big feat because he clearly does not either understand or recognize when things are going on around him. And it, like I said, it took the other referee to come slide it out from the back to say, hey, no, no, they, they, they didn't do this. You need to reverse the decision. Well, I'm reversing the decision. Disqualification on Ra-Ra and Campanelli uh, because they used use of illegal objects. And we're going to give the belts back to uh, Miami Sweet Heat. I mean, the real key here is that they, they did announce them as the winners. They did put the graphic up as the winners. They did say that they had won the tag team championships. But then it was reversed. Like I said, the other referee comes out. And he's like, no, 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 no. And the first thing he does is he comes and he's pointing at the match. Don't you see this? Look at it. Don't you see these mirror people? They, they cheated. They did that and blah, blah, blah. So it, it, it's just, I don't know what they would have needed to do. If it were me and I had to give an alternate, I said in one of these earlier podcasts, what I think that the Fab Four should be doing is that they should dump the mirrors because the mirrors are stupid. But they should dump the mirrors and they should just go to the store or go on Amazon or something and they should buy a couple of brass knuckles. And then they should have those brass knuckles bedazzled and painted pink. At least then it would keep up with the gimmick and it would be something that comes off as more believable as knocking someone out. And then you get those. And rather than Vicky Lynn McCoy sliding something in with clearly no idea how strong she is, I guess, and sliding it through her through their legs, she puts it on the uh, the mat and have them reach down to get it. Campanelli and Ra Ra see it. They hit him in the back. They stop it. 
They pulled the brass knuckles off of them. They made the agreement, okay, let's just do this. They was about to pop us, let's pop them. They nail them both, boom, knock them down, knock them out. Put the the uh, the brass knucks in their tights and get the pin. One, two, three. There's no evidence on the mat, and they get the call that we just saw. Then you can have the referee come out and slide in and say, hey, no, look, they cheated. Let me show you. And, you know, they can go through the, the whole deal like, what? what are you talking about? And then he pulls the, the brass knuckles out and says, see, look, they had brass knuckles. They hit it. And you have Campanelli and Rara pleading that case. Those are not ours. We didn't, we didn't bring brass knuckles in there. We only had them because they threw them in here. And we tried to stop them. And, you know, the referees do what the referees do. No, no, no. We got you on camera. I saw you in the back. I saw you in the monitor. You cheated. You hit him in the head with these brass knuckles, knocking him out, probably causing him brain damage. We're not going to give you the belts. Well, I'm reversing this decision right now. And the championships go back to Miami's sweet heat. And then you move forward. And that, it takes care of everything. There's nothing in the ring. They still maintain the gimmick of having something cute and you know and pink, like the mirrors are, because all the mirrors are pink. And again, you know those mirrors aren't gonna do anything to it. Yeah, it, would it be annoying? Sure. Would it cut their forehead? Probably. But they do not need to be using these mirrors. The mirrors are not a good uh, weapon of choice here. They just aren't. I I hope. That somewhere down the line, they change it. I mean, look, it's something else, in, in anything. I mean, it could be a bedazzled baseball bat for all I care. And it's, and really, if you want to keep the, whatever weapons that they bring as a, uh, uh, a, a extension of the gimmick, you can get away with it. All right, spray paint it pink, bedazzle it, put Lana Star's name on it, put the Fab Four's name on it, something. But whatever you do, as long as you get something along those lines, it'll at least still fit. And it comes off as, again, uh, deadly and impactful rather than like the mirror. Uh, so that was how they ended the, the main event. Then they go out, the, uh, the baby faces go out and they cut a promo. If you've listened to this, this episode, you heard it at the beginning. And that promo goes back to where I am uh, still confused about Coach Campanelli. She's still talking over Randy Rara. She still yanks the microphone away from Randy Rara before when David McClain makes it perfectly clear that he's asking Randy Rara a question. Campanelli just grabs the mic and starts talking. It is a very heelish thing to do. And she's been doing this for months with seemingly no end in sight. Like it hasn't progressed. We haven't seen anything grow from it. We haven't seen the hints that there's going to be some sort of dissension or a breakup. We haven't seen any of that. It just it just is. At this point, it is cut bait with that. I was like, are, are you actually having a match that's that's coming up? Because the only other way that we can get to that at this point is if we have a fourth match as a blow-off, which is a bit much, but, I mean, it's not unprecedented. 
So they can have that, but I think if they go back to another match, if this happens all over again, it, some things got to end. Either the partnership between Ra-Ra and Campanelli or the Heat's tag team title run or, you know, something. Something has to end instead of this just going on nonstop and transitioning it over to somebody else. You would think that the Tonga Twins would be coming after them and getting a, a shot or being in, in line for it, and that just hadn't happened. They brought it up once, and it kind of just died off. So that would be the thing that I would say, you know, to uh, forward this thing and forward it within a uh, realistic setting. So that was the extension of the show. All in all, uh, I would say that this show is a strong C. I say that because there's not, outside of the main event, there's not really all that much there. The uh, opening match, Rodriguez and Gianni versus Slays and Flores, that didn't push anything forward. It was just a nice match to have. It would have been better if it ended well. But it was just a nice match to have, just kind of fill in the time. The second match, the Heavy Metal Sisters versus Jesse Jones and Americana, probably would have worked better if if the objective was to make Americana look like she had the guts to keep fighting no matter what the odds. And, you know, Jesse Jones just unable to help her because she's hurt. Uh, Holiday and Foxy Fierce, again, solid match and Holiday was most in control illustrated the strength I guess until Candy Crush comes out here and interjects herself into the match with for something I thought should be well over and done and then you have the main event which we just went through uh, that would probably be the only match on this show that forward something I, you can make a case for Fierce and Holiday because Crush came out there. Candy Crush came out there. But again, didn't we already have a blow-off match? Didn't that match already take place? Why is this carrying on? I mean, we have to see at some point, but it's it's just... ah, I don't know. So there we have it, folks. That was the review of episode 28 of wow superheroes uh, of course we'll be tuning in this weekend well as i'm recording this going into the weekend so i can catch the next show uh and we'll see if there's anything that happens in this show that will transition to the next or anything in here that will be built to the next thing but aside from that i mean that again the show solacy didn't didn't forward a lot of storylines, if any, but it didn't. De- it wasn't a detriment to the storylines either. So that's probably the the best way that I could put that. Okay, so in any case, that is going to be the show. That is the full review of Wow Superheroes, episode twenty-eight. And we will be back again for episode 29 to see if this gets any better, to see if they go anywhere with this. 
and we will keep it going as long as we can and and re- reviewing all episodes that Wow has the good, the bad, the ugly. So on that note, I think this is the perfect time to slide on out of here. So folks, this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long and we'll see you on the next go round. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening.